we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows, but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode, and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing? Good, I hope. Well, I'm doing fantastic, even though this uh, show is going to be delayed a little bit. I'm recording it now in October, my birth month, and it's a week out from Halloween, my favorite holiday. And with that in mind, I have a super fantastic, interesting guest. This is a gentleman by the name of Shane Sirois. He, uh, he, to say that he's skilled is an understatement. He has been helping families and individuals with, for lack of a better word, what you can call extreme hauntings. Uh, and even though he does have a gift as far as understanding, diagnosing, treating disturbances in home, uh, he also uses the intelligence or what, the, the scientific side as far as understanding how to handle this. Uh, and one of the most important things that he makes mention is that his abilities are not just limited to healing homes. He heals people's lives as well. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that people that have undergone extreme hauntings uh, by this it could be short duration in some cases sometimes it's been going on for years they sometimes have like a little bit of PTSD going on as far as getting beyond what their experiences were and the fear of it returning and um, part of his ability is the understanding of how to work with people for them to move beyond what happened besides understanding how it came about and to make sure that it doesn't come back so anyway, let me bring him on, and of course, I'm going to ask Shane uh, what I ask all my guests, which is, 
how he became involved with the paranormal, especially, and I have a feeling about this, that this was hap something that happened to him as a child. So Shane, am I accurate about thinking that your first encounter with something paranormal happened when you were a kid? Yes, it started age of three. We lived in a home in Lemonster, Massachusetts, and we, my mother would see, you know, she'd see an apparition of a man uh, staring at her. You know, he'd be standing on a doorway staring at her. But I would see, I saw him walking through the living room one time, but I would see, uh, it started off as like different people standing at the, at the corner of the room um, at the foot of my bed, kind of in the corner, staring at me. And, and they would start moving towards me. I'd close my eyes, I'd open my eyes, and they'd be back in the corner of the room. And we would just repeat this over and over and over until I fell asleep. Until um, one night I got up, and this is where it got really strange, is I got up and I, I went to go to the bathroom, I, and I walked through the kitchen, go in the bathroom, I'm walking back out, I feel two hands pressed firmly on, on the back of my shoulders, and it, it's behind me, I can't see what it is, and it, it forces me to the ground, and finally I fight it off, and I still can't see it, and you know it was dark and everything too. I run and I, I jumped up over the the uh, base of the bed, uh, okay. the foot of the bed, and was just shaking myself in the air, you know, trying to get this thing off me. And I land in the bed. I, I you know, bury because I'm I'm little. I'm like three, four years old. Sure. I bury my my head in between the mattress and the in the in the wall. And then finally, after a little while, nothing's happening. So I I turn around and I lay on my right side so I could, I'm facing, actually my sister's bed was across from me mm -hmm. and I could see her sleeping and, and there was nothing in the room. I really expected to see something, but there was nothing there. So finally, I start to feel like, you know, I'm settling down. It took a little while and I start <laughs> to feel like I'm gonna, you know, start dozing off. I close my eyes uh -huh. and just as I start to feel like I'm, you know, just ready to fall asleep, I feel a hand on my face, and I open up my eyes, and and I kid kid you not, there was a, it was like it looked like a gray alien, you know, your typical gray looking alien standing right. there. Yeah, so it's horrific. Um, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it it was really bizarre. Now, of course, I was young, but these these memories are very real to me, and I mm -hmm. I do believe that it did happen. Um, I don't think there were imaginations because uh, I, I mean, I can remember even further back. I can remember when I was crawling as a, as a baby, you know? Right. So, um, but then we moved to, um, we, we moved to Texas when I was, let's see. So it was about, it was about the age of seven, um, when we we're in Texas and uh, we lived in San Antonio. And at that time I would, I would go to bed and I, sometimes I wouldn't even fall asleep. I would just be laying there, and all of a sudden I'd realize there's these two beings on either side of my, my bed, you know, your typical little little grays. Wow. And, yeah, and then a lot of times there'd be a real tall one. It looked the same, but he, he was really intimidating, and he was intelligent. These other two were like dummies. Like they, they, they took direction from him. He was mm -hmm. the boss, and... And they would look back at him, look back at him, and then they'd, they'd start their hands up towards my head, and I would black out. I don't remember what happens after that. And and so, um, and then so sometimes, you know, you start to know when they're there. And I one night I was laying in bed, and I'm like, 
there's one outside my window. I know it. And I, I walk over to the window and I look out the window and there's one standing in our back in the backyard. And, and, and it, it wants me to come out there. It didn't speak. I just knew that it wanted me to go out there. I black out. I don't, I don't know what happens. Okay. The very, the very next day, my mother says, do you know you were sleepwalking last night? You try to walk out of the house. But I was awake when I saw this thing, and then I, I don't remember after that. But she You're says, right. I, I, I walked through the, the house, and it, I was fighting with the door trying to get outside. And, and, um, but she used to find me, like, you know, all, all over the, the house, you know, while we lived there. So, but then, I, but then we moved, and nothing really happened after that until I, I reached the age of 10. And when I was 10, um, this is where it really began for me. What? Now, <laughs> there, oh my god <laughs> what happened yeah. it was like you would think that what would have happened would have been more than enough <laughs> yeah so all that stuff it's it's it i didn't understand it I, I mean i didn't know i was really young so i it, it didn't really understand how bizarre it was and I, I knew it wasn't normal but it was it happened at such a young age that it, it just yeah. it, i think i accepted it a little bit more um than if you know adult first experience or something like that so then but i reached the age of 10 we're living in um clinton massachusetts which is where i pretty much grew up and most of the time and and so i got really sick and they did you know uh, doctors didn't know what was wrong my my mother didn't have health insurance at the time so she was hoping it would go away she didn't take me into the doctors or whatever but i couldn't eat or drink anything i couldn't hold anything down um for almost a month and wow. and so yeah and that's that's not good you know a and very long time so, like to be sick like that yeah so i was pretty much bedridden i couldn't walk because i was so weak and mm -hmm. uh couldn't 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 get around at all so i was just basically just shoved in a room and then closed the door and and um and it, 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 weird things started to happen like if i got hot and i want i felt the like a thunderstorm there was one night the thunderstorm was coming i could hear the the wind blowing and, and the thunder and and I'm like man I want that window open so bad but I couldn't get out of bed and all of a sudden the window opened on its own and so things like that started happening but then one night everything changed you know because when you don't eat your, your body's eating itself so I'm achy I, I'm uncomfortable I don't you know I just yes. feel really horrible and all of a sudden one night it was just the best way I can explain it is I, all of a sudden, all that went away. I felt like I was part of everything around me, and everything was a part of me. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I could, I knew, I could sense, I could see, I could feel what everybody in the house was doing, and then beyond that. Wow. And it was, I, yeah, it was a very strange feeling. And, um, you know, when you don't eat or drink, for, for you, you know, you yeah, can hallucinate. Yeah, that's what a lot of these like uh, religious or aesthetics do. You know, when they like the hermit type that they. They're hoping for a vision. I was gonna say that's what it sounds like. Like you had like an out of body or vision quest kind of thing. Yeah, and so what? Um, further on in the story, there's. Um, yeah, well, I'll just keep going. Anyways, we'll get to that. But so, um, then then I notice there's there's a man sitting at the foot of the bed. He, it's like he's sitting on something, but there was nothing there for him to be sitting on. But it it, it appeared he was at that level, like he he was sitting. Okay. And it was really strange because he he looked like a man that was trying too hard to look like a human, 
and he looked out of place. It looked really bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had um, darker skin, you know, um, and his hair was black, but it was short and, and combed. It almost looked his hair almost looked it was so perfect that it almost looked like a helmet, like it was just placed on top of him. It just didn't look right to me. Okay. And but but this is where it gets weird. He. This is where I got my information on how to deal with negative parasitic hauntings. Okay. He said, he goes, you're going to be okay. This is happening for a reason. You're being brought here so you're connected and you're tuned, basically, is what he said. You're you're going to be tuned to, to the here so you, you could, you're always connected to this. And he says, because you're going to help people for the rest of your life. Now, at the time, that made no sense to me at all. And, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years old. Um but he he then gave me information about the mechanics of how what initiates a haunt a negative haunt in a, or attachment some people like to say right. and what initiates it and what allows it to continue to go on what what allows that connection between the entity and the afflicted okay. and and so he gave me a thorough understanding of that and um it made no sense to me but i remembered it it was just etched in my brain so um that same night, my mother and stepfather come home from the bar, and I can hear them giggling and acting stupid coming up the stairs. And and, um, and so I opened my eyes because I, you know, I was I was resting, and I could hear their voice. So I opened my eyes, and everything was white. I couldn't see anything. So I'm I'm trying to see what's going on. And I'm like, what's happening? I'm like, am I blind? Like, what's going on? Right. And. And I'm, I, I ended up spinning around, and I was looking down at myself, and I watched my stepfather pick me up and carry me down the stairs, and I was falling from behind. And then I, uh, then I black out, and, and I wake up in the car, in my body, and then I black out, and then at the ER, the emergency room, I wake up, or, or I have memory of um, it just all of a sudden, boom. Now I'm like 30 feet in the air. And I'm watching them walk, carrying me, walking into the emergency room from like, I'm like about 30 feet in the air. And then I walk, then I end up being like in the corner of the emergency room, watching the doctors and stuff work on me and everything. And so, yeah. So, and then, um, so I was in ICU for a few days or whatever. Once I get stabilized, they, they move me to a different wing Mm -hmm. and I'm watching Monday, Monday night football one night and, this this uh, nurse walks in and so again it, she looked very odd like she, like someone trying way too hard look, to look like a human and way too hard to look like a nurse it, it looked really weird and she came in and she sat down behind like on the side of me kind of behind me and she was stroking my hair and she says she goes um I she goes I used to do this with my son I miss doing this with my son and then she says don't worry you're gonna be okay now and I I pass out and I wake up because I used to come in to make sure I could wake up in the middle of the night with a flashlight and all that. So excuse me, uh, flashing that in my face. And, and I said, you know, where's the other nurse? And and I can't remember her name now. I can remember a lot of details, but I'm terrible with names. I'm great with faces, but, um, and I said, you know, where's so-and-so? And and she goes, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm the only nurse covering this wing all night. She goes, cause people called out sick. And, um, but the funny thing is, is I started getting better immediately um, after she, her ah, visitation. Visit. Yeah, so um, it, it was weird. And so after that, um, 
I, I truly believe that whatever these things were, um, that I, I was put in this position so I could learn because my, the other, it's, it's hard to say this stuff because I, I don't want people to take it like I'm egotist because I am totally not. But it, so when, you know, this information that I was given, it works 100% of the time. And so there, there was a, that's why it happened to me. You know, that, this whole experience had to happen. So I was, they were able to communicate this information to me so I'd be able to help people. And, and that's what I've been doing. I've helped thousands of people uh, over 30 years because I started as a young, a young teenager. Um, and Shane, this. let me ask I, you something. You mentioned a sister. Did you have any other siblings besides her, or was it just the two of you? Um, very dysfunctional family, so it depended on what, well, what part of the... No, you know why I was going to ask? I said, were you the target? Because sometimes, you know, sometimes everybody has their own experience, and sometimes in situations like what you're describing, there's the target child, where they're the yeah. ones that experience the whole range of stuff, and everybody else is oblivious. they like, huh? Except you, I know you yeah. mentioned that your mom had seen something, but did your sister ever see anything? No, no. Okay. And I had, I had that when I was young, as a three-year-old, um, I had two sisters okay. at the time. And then when I, when I was ten, I had um, one of my sisters were, were was living with my grandparents. My we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the sixteenth time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Own the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz on the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Sister, um, and and then my other sister was living with us, but then I and by that time I had a younger brother. Mm-hmm. And then also I had um, two step uh, a stepsister and a stepbrother living with us as well, okay. and when I was ten. So, so then um, as, as a young teenager, I started because I, I this never left my head. All these all these experiences and, okay. and what 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 was told told to me, and you know what does this all mean? And and I just always had a lifelong passion to understand this stuff, and I have a very thirsty mechanical aptitude like i have to understand how everything works 100 percent. not just okay well you know if if, if you throw this you know it's going to hit something but i want to understand every step of that process 100 percent. you know and right. um if i get a radio for christmas and it, you know i remember when i was like eight i got a radio for christmas i i took it upstairs i tore the thing apart because i wanted to understand you know how the thing worked that's just kind of how i am so I, I I wanted to understand what was told to me, and, and I wanted to understand every step of the way. And so it was always just something I thought about but didn't understand until I started to actually mess around with it and, you know, 
the first thing as a young teenager was the Ouija board. Um, okay. The Ouija board is nothing, nothing evil. It's, it, there's nothing special about it. But what it is, it's a tool that focuses your attention on the possibility of an interaction. So you're telling these negative parasites that, hey, I will play with you. Mm-hmm. And so it focuses your attention on those things because they need your attention. And a lot of times, you know, these teenagers get, that get in trouble with them, teenagers are typically, you know, um, a lot of them are in, in, a, in a dysfunctional home or they have um, vulnerabilities and they're, they're just emotionally not in the right place to be messing around with stuff like that. Sure. Because when, when you're in a vulnerable emotional state of being, you become a target to these Absolutely. parasites. They feed on yeah. They're transitioning so into started, adulthood, and they're like, you know, so you don't know what you want. You switch from day to day when you're going through those through that stage of your life. Let me ask you, do you think right. that guy that you saw sitting at the end of your bed, the one that you said that his hair was so perfect, do you think that was a guardian of yours? He, You know what? He's, he's, I haven't seen him in a while, but he stayed with me for uh, – he would come in dreams. I would see him um, okay. when, I was, when I was awake. Yeah, I would see him in different positions. He would be he'd point me in certain directions. Okay. Uh, um dressed the same way. He had this uh plaid shirt, you know, checkered, you know, shirt. Um and I seen him basically let's see, from from the first time I was ten years old, uh, I saw him heavily around the time I was uh, you know, nearing adulthood, mm-hmm. eighteen, nineteen years old. I would I saw him like a ton, and, and then he appeared periodically over the next few years. But I haven't I haven't seen him since. So I think um, he I don't know. I think maybe he was kicking me off on my journey, and then you know once I once I started connecting dots, he was no longer right. needed. And I exactly I think yeah. Well, I've heard of that that yeah that you have guardians through certain stages, and then once like you is exactly like what you said once you're past the point of where they were helping you then maybe a new one will come in it's not yeah. it doesn't necessarily always have to be the same one throughout your life that is so yeah. interesting so you yeah, went one, through one thing... you you but let me tell you something that's a really heavy thing that they laid on you as a kid <laughs> that's and, and oh, let yeah. me ask you, yeah. you this whole thing in the background where you had it sounds like an encounter with ETs was that part of was that running parallel to the spirit contact or was it all meshed up together now that you look back at it what what was that it's it i i even wonder if if these the spirit contacts the ones that are giving me this information mm-hmm. i i i i because until i can figure everything out and i know for sure i keep everything open right. and because i i i don't um I have to prove everything to myself. I don't take anyone else's, you know, studies, sure. you know, as a, you know, I take everything as a grain. So I, I have to do the work myself and I have to understand every, every step of the way um, before I can, I can say for sure. So I'll, I'll never, you know, pose a theory as truth until I know for sure. But what, what I often wonder, and it almost could, because the, when, when I, when I'm around these alien type things, mm-hmm. cause it continues it continues my whole life. It still okay. happens today. Um, it, they feel the same as the entities that were near my bed that were giving me information on how to deal with it. So I, I often wonder if these were not aliens posing like 
human-looking people okay. to give me this information to deal with the parasitic entities because these parasitic entities are a totally different life form. Mm-hmm. Pe- you know, people call them people call them demons. They call them, you know, archons. There's all kinds of names for right. them, but we don't know that there are any such thing like that. But um, yeah. I actually believe um, that they're they're an actual life form, and just because we can't see them a lot of times, mm-hmm. we we don't have a very broad um, visual light spectrum you know sure. that's why animals can see, see things that we can't because they see a, a different light spectrum so the, just because we can't see them doesn't mean that they're not real thing and i truly believe that these what i call pair i i call them parasitic entities because it, it's a name that describes their personality and what they do and because we don't we don't know that there are demons that got bored playing cards with the devil down in hell, and they're going to come up here and mess with us, right, you know. Exactly. Well, yeah, and, it, it, and sometimes I, I guess it's the, and and also I was I was thinking along the lines, you know, everybody of course always thinks of extraterrestrial life as like traveling through space and a UFO, whatever. But you know, there's also that theory that what if the way that they come into our world is inter or intradimensionally, you know, which is like then right. we're talking about a whole host of things as. Like you said, parasites, uh, extraterrestrial uh, life forms, you know, maybe they're coming and going into our world through through a parallel or another dimension that runs alongside ours. And they just know how to manipulate it where they can come in and out. And um, they can kind of account for a lot of things that sometimes people see and then they there's no proof like where they came from or where they went. Right, right. Right, and then that's exactly what we what we think. They're definitely they seem to be multiversal, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it just it just really really appears that way. But um, what what I do know about these parasitic entities, so you know, I was told this, you know, when I was ten, when I was sick. But I I also see this because I put in place a process to identify trends within right. each haunting. And I've done that since uh, you know a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to notice common things that nobody else seemed to be picking up on, and it confirmed what I was told as a ten-year-old. Okay. Um, these things, these things are connected. They're initiated and they're connected to us through frequency, through mostly emotional okay. frequency. So when when we're in a lo- lowered, vulnerable emotional state of being, mm-hmm. our 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 frequency is lowered and therefore we become connected with these parasitic entities like a two-way radio if you've got two walkie-talkies or two-way radios that are on different frequencies they cannot communicate so when we're in a vulnerable state this is not this is oh i'll tell you this and i gotta tell you a really cool story go ahead to elaborate to to elaborate on this so when we're in a lowered emotional state of being uh, our frequency is equivalent to cancer, mold, mildew, other mm-hmm. parasitic life forms, including these parasitic life forms that, that feed off of us. Um, and and not, not really just feed it. I think it's more connected to us, and but um, attached to, to those uh, lowered emotional frequencies. They need fear, attention, and negativity yes. or, or a vulnerability. And, and so, you know, when we're elevated, we're in a good place and, and stuff like that. And we have no traumas or bad life experiences that are, are, are hurting our hearts or, or our minds. Then these things cannot touch us. They, it just we they cannot connect with us at all. So, um, so we, I know you know Paulino because I know Paulino's been on your show. So I'll tell you how I met him. 
um, back in 1998. Okay. Uh, I got a I got contacted by a guy. Actually, was in a chat room. I used to when I didn't have investigations mm-hmm. late at night. I'd, I'd go on these AOL chat rooms like Haunted I House or whatever. Those? Wow, God. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I I I'd go in there and I give advice to people and then stuff like that. I used to analyze dreams for people too. And and there was um there was this guy in there and he was desperately seeking help and advice and people were, everyone was giving him the wrong advice. And, and he says, you know, but he was being attacked, all kinds of bad things were happening. So I, I, I said a few things and he private messaged me or instant messaged me right away. And, and then we talked and, um, this guy had been being attacked for two years, pretty bad. And all kinds of things happened to him. He'd see this disfigured lady kind of rise up in the corner of his room almost every night and everything. And, so I said, he goes, but I have another investigator working here, but I think, I, I really think you could help me too. And, and I said, well, I don't, I'm not going to step on any of my toes, make sure this guy's okay. If he's going to stay, you know, a, a part of it, I normally work alone. And pa- Paulino, who was, who was the guy that was there with him, um, also worked alone, but we, we said, yeah, we'll collaborate. We'll work together. And that's when I met Paulino, but, um, so when I got there, I, I think it was the first time I went there. Paul couldn't make it or something, and I I, I, I meet him at the door. Like he he comes outside on the porch and he goes, "It's like they knew you were coming." He goes, "Cause it, things were pretty quiet, and all of a sudden they got crazy over the last half hour." Uh-huh. So we walk in. He walks into his living room. I, I'm standing in the doorway, and a lamp flies off his desk about 15 feet and hits him in the leg. And he goes, "See, that's what I'm talking about." And he said it so nonchalant that I knew that he'd been dealing with much, much worse because it didn't. Right, like yeah, this is like yeah, (laughs) this is the tame stuff. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so um, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. I even took a picture of of the entity. I was talking to him one time, and and I started to notice. I could see his bedroom door. It was right behind where he was sitting, and all of a sudden, it was like heat off the pavement, but it was all swirling. But it was kind of the same effect as heat off the pavement, but it it was swirling around. I couldn't make out anything in his room. I said, what is happening there? I've seen it before, but it it, only in the real strong cases. So I I get up. I start powering my camera. Now, back then, it was like the the camera just came out. It was like top-notch camera, right? And this is funny. Sony Mavica, 1.3 megapixels that took a floppy disk. (laughs) It cost me like 900 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So... that's how long ago that was. Yeah, so exactly. I, <laughs> so I only, walk over to... So only certain people <laughs> of a certain age, believe it or not, are going to be able to relate and understand why we're la- right. laughing about that. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. Some, some of the listeners are going to be like, what's a floppy disk? You yeah, know? So, I <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm standing in the doorway, and I'm trying to make out you know, what's happening. I'm just looking, but I can't see nothing. All of a sudden, all that commotion that stuff in the air starts to dissipate and i start i start noticing something bobbing in and out from behind there was a box fan that was sitting on top of a, a, a storage bin in one of those top you know plastic storage bins and i saw this head bobbing out and then going back in and bobbing out and all of a sudden it, it comes out more of that dissipates and i can see now and there's this thing this entity um kind of looked human but looked really bizarre staring right at me and black eyes very black eyes solid black and i could tell two things and i could feel it so strongly this thing 
was afraid of me because it knew I knew how to get rid of it. It was definitely afraid of me, but it hated my guts. I could feel the hate coming off this thing like nothing I've ever felt before. It hated me so bad, but it did, it did mess with me. It's just, it it was afraid. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so, so basically what we did was, um, you know, that, that was like the first visit or so. And then, um, then me and Paul got there together and, and, I, I asked the, the gentleman, uh, his name was Norman. I said, how long have you lived here? He goes, I've lived here for 11 years. My, no, no, he goes, my girlfriend's lived here for 11 years. I've lived here for six years. I said, how long have you been being attacked by this thing? He said, the last two years. So I said, then something happened two years ago that made you, put you in a vulnerable emotional state of being or something changed this environment yes. or something that changed you in, internally, like something had an effect on you. Um, and he says, well, actually, it started happening three weeks after I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. There you go. Now, pancreatic cancer is pretty much a death sentence, right? Yes. So uh, he was terminal, and he was put on meds. He couldn't work anymore, and who would want to? Thinking, you know, they're going to die. And mm-hmm. so he, he, did, he was just sitting at home now thinking about the fact that he's going to die. Uh, also a Vietnam vet. So he's thinking about all the memories of his friends being blown up in front of him in Vietnam. And so nothing but negativity. And and he was also a recovering alcoholic. So he's in a very vulnerable spot. And he was in a perfect, perfect place for these parasites to, to just jump in and say, ah, we got we got something here, you know. And they started tormenting him because their ultimate goal is to get you into the fear frequency, to get your, you know, your, your frequency to that fear level yeah, and like that's when like they track like sometimes in some cases is what you're describing yeah and so they, they need that that's what they want the most so and and that worked because um he woke up one night to this entity the first time i was there he called me the very next morning i had only slept for six hours he called me he said you gotta come back down here i woke up at like three something in the morning he goes and there was a disfigured lady's face inches from mine and his hair turned white he looked a hundred years older than uh, when I just last saw him. He literally aged. His hair did. It was salt and pepper. His hair turned white over just from this experience. I thought that was only mo- movies, you know. But yeah, right, exactly. So, so you, in other words, you knew this guy saw something horrific. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So here, here's what we did. So we asked him, how long have you lived here? My girlfriend's lived here for 11. I've lived here for six. I've been being attacked two years. What happened two years ago? I've been, I was diagnosed with cancer. So he said, okay, what we need to do is we have, you're, you're in a vulnerable state. You're, you're in a negative place. So we need to elevate, you know, your emotion. And there's no other way better to do that than to get him to do something physically that, so he cannot revert back to those thoughts. Something that actually occupies his internal dialogue and his his mind, his body, uh, it, some kind of action where he it, it occupies. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. On the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz in the 5. 
you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. So he doesn't revert back. He's busy doing something positive, so he can't think of the negative. And so I said, you know, you got to take walks, volunteer at the soup kitchen, um, you know, do whatever, do something that makes you feel good about yourself, but stay active doing something positive that makes you feel good. And so he actually did that. He, he volunteered a soup kitchen and the soup kitchen was in the basement of, of a stone church. That same stone church for some reason was scheduled to be torn down. It was the oldest stone church in Rhode Island. And he let, he let a fight to save it. So he, now he's on the front page of the paper. He's on the nightly news. He had drive. He had purpose. He was doing something positive. Mm-hmm. The entity di- disappeared. It just vanished, gone. It was just boom, connection broken. And not, not only that, his cancer disappeared off the of x-ray. He's still alive today and cancer-free. That is one out of three cases that I've done in my life where the cancer and the parasite disappear at the same time. In other words, that is that no... Was- let me ask, when you were saying the parasite, you're talking here a non-human entity, right? Um, yes. I'm Even though I know you said parasite. that he saw a woman, but as far as you're concerned, your sense, your sense was that it was a non-human entity? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think they're human, but they're definitely a life form. They're they're definitely some kind of life form, but they're we call them parasitic. Mm-hmm. You know, parasitic entity because it basically labels their, what they're doing, their personality, what they what they want. Um, they're they're parasitic and and so other people would call them demons and, and whatever right, else. Right, so. right, No, I know everybody sometimes and and of course the demon, the D word is so much scarier. That yeah, I yeah. Think it's overused. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me ask you, Shane. So, do yeah, you that... think there's any possibility? Because I know you said that basically his his diagnosis of the cancer was like what this was the 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 the, the event, the triggering event. Do you think that it was the way he was feeling or was it something that he picked up maybe when he went to the hospital, something that basically gravitates around where there's illness and death or it was just something that he called to himself because he basically, like what you said, he thought, I'm dying. Right. It was it, it was the fact that he was in a vulnerable, lowered emotional state of being. Okay. And so it, w- when we're down there, think of it in frequency. I can't say frequency enough. Mm-hmm. Actual frequency, measurable frequency, when we can connect with these entities, um, when we're elevated, we're in a good place. They can they can't talk to us. They can't communicate with us. Um, okay. These these parasites, um, they they might come into your house. They might try to do something. Mm-hmm. But if if um, you know if if you don't offer that fear and that right. attention, then they're not going to elevate. But they truly connect with people. That are, um, and I'll to point point this out too, um, but people that are in, in lowered emotional state uh, of being or fearful too. Fear is another thing. So um, that's why a lot of people, when they they get into this paranormal work or use a Ouija board, they get an attachment themselves is because they're afraid. Uh, you know, not only are they given attention, but they become a little nerved and fearful and those that's what they want from you so they connect with you and they they attach to you so um i was gonna say uh, you know what i tell everybody anybody that's done this work for for a length of time and you know inevitably you know you go through the cases that are nothing there or 
Uh, but you run across certain cases that you're they're scary, for lack of a better word. Most people, I realize after a while, they need to take us a battle. They need to step back because they feel almost like what you're describing. Like, I need to step away from this and just live a regular life where I'm not dealing with dead people or people, you know, suffering from haunting. Like, they have to create that boundary because I think they feel in themselves the danger that comes right. with doing this with no break in between. Like, in other yeah. words, you're alive and whatever it is is dead or, in this case, a parasite, but... but you know feeds on fear right right and yeah and we're people get weird out sometimes because they we get a lot of questions asked you know i i, I co-host on paulino's show a lot and we get mm -hmm. questions there and i do i do other shows i just started my own show too and, and but the question comes in a lot that you know people say well you you tell people that they they shouldn't do this work but you do it you know but you know really that's not what we mean yes. it, it takes it it takes the right character type and um i've helped so many investigators that got in trouble like i'm talking bad trouble i there was this one investigator who was older than me said he was very experienced but he says but you know i i, I need to learn from you can you mentor me and and so i i i say i met with him and i agreed to this guy ended up i took him to one case and what he experienced he thought he, he told me he was very ex experienced with all this stuff that he he's witnessed it. He, he, you know, what he experienced in this house, what he witnessed blew his mind so much that he ended up going cuckoo a little bit. He, he ended up losing his house. He lost his wife. He wow. lost his job. Yeah. He, he, this guy had a, he, he had like a house, you know, like it was like a six, $700,000 home, um, lovely wife. He had a, a six figure job. And he lost everything. He's living in a trailer home in a very nasty city right now. And I now what happened was I helped him through that, and I got him better. Okay. So he this is he kept he at this time he he, he was going he was spiraling bad. So I got him through all that. I fixed everything. He he still had his house, his wife, and his his job at the time. Right. But he then I I told him no more paranormal work for you. Uh, you know, we can stay friends. We'll hang out. We'll do stuff. But you're not right. doing the paranormal with me, me anymore. He opened up his own website, oh. started to try to help people, and oh. he got himself in trouble again. You know, and lost it, lost everything. You know. You know so what? Th I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm, on some of my other shows, I mentioned, and, and, I, and I, I'm gonna blame it on all these paranormal reality shows that make it look so exciting. You know, and it's like. Even if you think, man, this is fascinating, or I would love to do that, that sounds so exactly like what you said. Not everybody has the temperament or, how can I say, the mental way. It's, it's a bunch of emotion. It's a bunch of things that to handle an investigation like what you're describing. Because, yeah, sometimes right. you're going to go to some stuff that's there's nothing there. It's like, okay, somebody with a great imagination or a raccoon in the attic. And <laughs> okay, so what's the worst? You tell the person, uh, no, or maybe something that's a residual. But somewhere along the line, if you get somebody that their boundaries have been violated, a uh, host of other things that runs across something like what you're describing—a very dark or malevolent haunting or attachment or something going on in that house—they're they've they've got basically a big bullseye on their head. Oh yeah, absolutely. Attachment. You know, yep. and, and, and they don't want to hear it. like what exactly like what you just described. You gave him your best advice, like, "Hey, 
stay away from this type of work. Not not temporarily yep. as in forever. And he, like you said, he went off and he started it. But let me ask, what happened to him originally? Was it something that he witnessed or something that attached to him from that case that he went with you on to begin with? What happened? Well, he believed something followed him home, but nothing did. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely scientific, but, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm very sensitive to these things because I've, like, I, like I said, I've been connected to it. So you, yeah. once you, once you've experienced it and you're, you're kind of brought into that area and I'm talking like a near death, which I've had three in my life, mm-hmm. then you're tuned to, 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 to things. And basically when I was 10, um, that's really when it happened, but so you you can feel these things. You you yes. you just sense it, and so um, and nothing did follow him home. He believed it. He believed something did. He started to associate anything that happened with uh, something followed him home. Like you know, if, okay. if something fell right. off the yeah. shelf, oh, it, you know, and he couldn't shut it out from his internal dialogue. It was controlling his internal dialogue. Something's oh, here. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? You know, That's not um, but he. Two things did happen. Um, he he did witness in the basement of this of this house. Th- there was um, the, we got pictures of them too. Light discharges, but they were they they almost looked like um, it's hard to explain because. But but anyways, there was there was light discharges. There was also one with like tails that were just like moving around the basement, but him and there was other investigators at this this location at one point where they were all attacked by something something surrounded them they they got earaches they got headaches they they had to get out of the basement immediately because they were in pain this this happened to him but he he couldn't move i i went over i was walking through and he's just sitting there and he was like shaking and he's like i can't move i can't move and um he he was the perfect type of person that he had a very paranoid personality uh, yeah and... i was about to say hey you're describing as somebody that's paranoid like like you said every little thing was you know it wasn't like stuff that happens to everybody like what you said he read into it that it was a result of what had attached to him or followed him home right yeah and so um so you know at, now i'm chasing this thing around I, i'm i i, I go into I feel I'm in the I feel the cold spot. This thing, and I feel my hair moves and everything. It runs away from me, and I I'm fall, I'm going around the basement. I find it again, and it runs away from me. My hair moves, you know, and I'm chasing this thing around. Now the difference between me and other these other investigators was, it's a hundred percent without a doubt programmed in me that I have no fear of these things whatsoever because I know I know how to get rid of them, a hundred percent. And mm-hmm. so the the process that I use it absolutely works and when you have no fear they have no power on you yeah. and i i absolutely do not fear them at all i actually they're so easy to get rid of from you know with this process that i use that was given to me um that i look down on them. it's so people give them so much power but it's like mm-hmm. if you realize how cowardly and simple they are right. and how easy it is to get rid of them it's it's just it they're pathetic and it, it just this how it is, and um, let me ask you the question. It's terrible. Once, once, let's say you, if somebody's got an attachment from one of these parasites, and let's say you help this person get rid of it, are they vulnerable? 
after that as in they got to be careful where they go what they do because it could allow another parasite to come in or or, it, or that's it see and this this is a good question and i'll tell you why so one of the things i'm going to answer this in two different ways but okay. um to illustrate there i started to realize you know when i was real young when i started doing this work you know why do you know, everyone turns to like religious or spiritual practices to get rid of these things. And so, but it doesn't seem to work all the time. And most of the time it doesn't work. Right. And sometimes, sometimes it does work and it works for a little while, but then it comes back. And when it comes back, it's a, it's a whole lot worse. Yes. So I started to, you know, this was in, in my process. Okay. Let's find out why. And and so I, I go in after I've, I've gone in after hundreds of priests, and this is not knocking any religion or nothing mm -hmm. like that. Every right. every religion is good if if it's done for the right reason. The problem I have with a lot of religions is they're fear based. If you do this, you're going to burn, you know. And and that is why a lot of my worst cases were people that were dysfunctionally religious. They were in re religions that used fear, yes. and these people lived in fear, and they so they became targets. And yes. yet, so if 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 the religion was going to use be used to get rid of the entity why did why did it not circumvent the attachment to begin with exactly. so i yeah i started to look at these things so what i realized was the religious practice works if it has a positive effect on the afflicted um but it, it not on the entity it has nothing to do with the entity that process and because I have I've gone in after so many priests to realize that that's not that's the case. So it's if it has a positive effect on the afflicted and, and raise them out of that lowered state that they were in, and they mm -hmm. can sustain that, then the entity stays gone. But the problem is, is most people they they feel lifted at the moment during this this religious practice that was done in their home. They feel lifted for the moment, but then they revert back to their old ways of thinking and their old issues, and the entity comes back, and it's worse than ever. Right. So that exactly. this is, yeah, this is how it is. So therefore that, that taught me that these practices, whether smudging, smudging does do, do some good. It's, it is a purifier and stuff like that, but it's not going to keep that thing gone. It, it might, it might make a leap for the pro, for the moment, but if you revert back to your old ways of thinking, it's coming back because it's connected to you. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah. So and let me ask you, um, does that account for why people will say, after a while, you realize it. You're not living in the haunted house. You're the one that's haunted because this thing follows them from location to location. Yeah, and that's what I tell people. In the event of negative haunts, it's not the home being haunted. It's the person. That is a yeah. fact. I mean, in in my work, I mean, I I have so much documentation to show this, and so you know, <clears throat> I had another point to make, but um, I forgot. Anyway, well, we'll get, and one of the things I wanted to mention, which I think was so interesting, you know, you remember how you said that that encounter that you had with that entity that you could feel like this hate, in other words, this pure yeah. hate towards you. Yep. And that is one of the things I've heard from experienced exorcists, including priests. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the late Dr. Malaki also mentioned it, that that was one of his tip-offs, uh, when he encountered somebody that was truly possessed because he says you felt the hate that this entity mm -hmm. felt towards you. He says it's nothing like, you know, you can, you can have another human being dislike you or even what they call hate, but he says that it was, the description was pure, unadulterated, malevolent hate. 
Yes. Feel it. Yeah. And so that's that's absolutely true. But so that that's another thing I was um was going for on that last question was um no, I forgot again. I just it just blew my mind. <laughs> it just left me. Um but, oh no, it was about the 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 religious practice and, and yes, why yes. it doesn't usually work. And you know, because like I said, I've gone in after hundreds of priests. I've been gone in after most of the famous demonologists that we know and see on TV, mm-hmm. um, and in in a lot a lot of all the other investigators, and I help a lot of investigators. And so, and they're all pretty much using the same type of tactic. And so, there's a reason why that doesn't work. So a long time ago, I, I was like, well, why not? You know. So I unlearned everything I thought. From earaches to strep tests, there's Minute Clinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Minute Clinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. I knew, and I just put down that process to identify these trends and to use the knowledge that was handed to me, gifted to me. And, and, and so I started to realize that, you know, these practices do not, treat the root cause they're 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 a tool that basically if it can, if it can get the person in the right emotional state right. then it, it will break the connection but it usually doesn't happen so therefore those practices are a placebo yeah. that's all they are You're right. and so what what i do is i manipulate the true mechanics and we are participants in an in interaction with these entities so i i end up being so I have to identify the root cause with the person. So a lot of times I'm a marriage counselor, I'm a drug counselor, um, I'm, you know, I'm just yes. a, a psychologist, you know, yes. and I have a background in all that too. I'm a, mm-hmm. I have a, a pretty broad background in human services. Mm-hmm. And so well, I'll tell you one one story. There was this, I got contacted by a 51-year-old lady um, from Connecticut, southern Connecticut, down by the seacoast. Right. She said, my mom's my mom's being attacked and raped and stuff by something. Her mom's 72 years old. Oh. So she had two famous groups go in there. She had a, a priest go in there, and it just got worse and worse and worse. It just kept happening. Nothing seemed to help. And and so um, basically then they heard of me, and, and I, I go down, and I said, okay, so when did this all start happening? She said, after my husband, my, my husband passed away. There you go. And... So what it was, was she had history. She had a bad memory in her life that happened as a child, but her husband was a, a WMT diabetic who needed a lot of care. Mm-hmm. So she was busy. She was occupied. Her internal dialogue was occupied right. caregiving to him and keeping him, her from going into these bad moments, these or reliving, right. you know, these memories in her head. So she was, and they also were best friends. So they, they were having, you know, they'd talk all day long and, She'd have to do a lot of care for him and stuff like that. But when he passed away, she had nothing to do being retired and stuff is to sit at home. And what do we do in our old? We're not old that that old yet. That unresolved trauma doesn't matter if it happened 60 years before. Right. And so we start to reflect on our lives. And and now what happened was she's been she's been being raped. She actually. She went through menopause in her fifties. She had a she got raped at one time. She went to the bathroom. She had blood, and she could hear two things in the room when this has happened. There's one doing something to her, and then there's another one in the room she can hear. And now she'd be grabbed by the her ankles and slid down towards the base of the bed. So her her daughter one night who was fifty one and and 
uh, both very intelligent women to been successful too, by the way, uh-huh. she, her, her daughter stayed the night with her one time. She goes, I, I could tell my mom's going through something, but I didn't expect this. What, what happened this night? She said they were both on their back. She wrapped her leg around her mom's leg, like over the top of her mom's leg to make her mom feel comfortable, you know, and secure. She said, Shane, there was a head that started to rise up through the sheets at the foot of the bed and start moving up towards us. And she goes, I jumped out of the bed. I ripped the covers off and there was nothing there. She goes, but it was real. She goes, there was something there. And so, um, so when I, I asked the lady, when it started happening, like I said, her husband passed away. So what I said, um, so what happens? She starts reflecting on her life. And as a child from the age of six, until she until she can remember, until she was old enough to move out of the house, her father molested and raped her. Her there father would crawl in. I was about to tell you this. It was this the the trauma that she had as a child. Yeah, boy. He, he would he would crawl in on his hands and knees, go to the base of the bed, grab her grab her by the ankles, and slide her to the base of the bed and molest her. Um, I, I don't know how much I can say, but with his mouth and his parts. Right. And, exactly. Uh, right. Right. And, and, um, and so now she goes, is it my father? I said, no, it's not your father. What it is, it's a parasite feeding mm-hmm. on this. It, you don't have to say it out loud. It knows through emotional frequencies and thought, thought frequencies exactly how to push your buttons. Yes. And it's doing what, what it needs to do to keep you in that vulnerable state. It's acting like your father. And so um, somebody else she had talked to said, oh, well, you have to, you have to forgive your father. And I said, that's stupid. I said, you don't have to forgive your father. I said, what you need to do, there's a difference. You don't have to forgive him. You should never, you don't forgive somebody of that, especially until they make amends. But uh, if they change their ways and then maybe you could do that. But what, what, what you need to do is you need to accept that it happened. You need to accept it as part of your life. Exactly. And, and so because um, what, it made you who you are. Is she was exactly what you're saying. Even if she forgave him, she would still be the victim. And what you're telling her, she yeah. would have to get you out of that victim mentality because she was being victimized. That's what it sounds like, victimized all over again like she was as a child. Yeah, that's exactly what I told her. I even use that same word, victim mentality. But also we, you need to um, focus on more positive and realize that you know, your life experience led to the person that you are today. Um, beautiful home, great. You know, her daughter was very successful. Her children, you know, her grandkids, and just and like I said, both very charming, very intelligent people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you have a lot to be thankful for. It's not a good memory. You need to accept that it happened and right. just let it go. Let it go. Yeah, and, 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 and I imagine even at this point, probably her dad was dead. I take it if she was already in her seventies. What? You're gonna go a guy that that's dead. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and so I get emails from him. Every, this was like four years ago or so, and okay. every year I get a, a, an email from him saying that you know, thank you so much, thank you so much. This thing's been totally gone. We haven't seen it. Nothing's happened at all. And and so I didn't have to go in there and splash holy water around, read from the Bible, right. do smudgings or nothing like that. All I did was go in there and educate them on the mechanics and what they were doing wrong and what, how to fix it and counsel them a little bit. And, and as long as, and mo, all, fortunately all the people I go to help 
finally understand that. Some people are hard to convince of this process because they're so used to what they see on yeah, TV. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if, if, you're not, if you're not throwing holy water around or something more dramatic, for lack of a better word, it's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah because that, thanks, Hollywood. <laughs> you know? Right, right. But one, one thing I, I do know is this, this um, process works 100% of the time and it doesn't fail. And, um, you know, they, yeah. they, there was, um, I, I truly one... believe that sounds so, um, people, uh, and, and it's exactly like, like you said, when you would, maybe when you looked at this woman from the outside, she was very successful and she had brought up her family. Like you said, anybody looking from the outside, not knowing the trauma, or what, was, what had happened to her as a child would think, okay, but that that incident, which was horrible and was systemic for so many years, that that basically was something that she was enduring, for lack of a better word, till she was, what, in her 70s, you said? That's horrible. Yeah, so, 72, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that, like that. There's a lot of people like that. That that Oh, yeah. That even if they're not going through something as dramatic as maybe a parasite attachment, they... they uh, they still haven't come to terms, like you said, with what happened to them. You know, they, they, uh, and you know, they, they, they go on, and sometimes I don't even talk to anybody about it, which is the worst part. And probably, who knows right, if right. she wouldn't have ever said anything to anybody if it wasn't for the fact that she was getting attacked. Right, right, yeah, wow. yeah, it's, it's horrible. So and you said so. You go in. You're the cl you're. You're the cleaner. You know how they talk about these guys that go in, you know, when there's a murder, the cleaner. You're the psychic cleaner. You yeah. go in there after everybody's, like, messed everything up and going, uh, sorry, but it didn't work. <laughs> so they call you in. Yeah. But yeah. It's, and it's really hard to – I help a lot of other investigators, and, and there's a lot of ego in, in this work, you know. And, and so, un unfortunately, there's a lot of investigators that won't reach out and – I, I've, you know, and they'll just leave their client high and dry because mm -hmm. they know they can't fix the problem, and and hopefully, you know, a lot a lot of these find their way to me eventually. Um, but then there are a lot of investigators that, and I would never name drop, but you'd be shocked if I told you some of the names I've gone in after and what what these investigators have done. Like, you know, I'm talking like big names and stuff, oh, yeah, and it just it it's terrible. It's terrible, and and but. It, you know, if it, it's okay to say you don't know that you're stuck, yes, you know the, the, the main. It's like, the, it's like, I've spoke, I've spoken about this in other shows. It's like, there's a point where, let's say, you go into what you think is an okay, is a normal investigation. When I say a normal, I don't mean anything malevolent or along these lines. But somewhere in there, you realize by either like what you described, like like okay, there's no shame in retreat to reconnoiter, right. you know. And say, you know what? I'm out of my depth. And of course, like you said, you don't leave that client high and dry. But before you make it worse, you're better off saying, uh, let me see what I can do for you. And you need to leave because a lot of times, like you said, if their ego gets in the way, they end up making things worse for that poor client. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of these people do that, too. And, and uh, their their techniques, while they're there, too, a lot of times, they're so focused on evidence and and they use antagonistic techniques to try to get evidence, and, and they're making it worse. It's at the expense yeah. of, of the client, and that's the yes. most – if a client calls me and says, 
I'm being attacked. I have a negative thing. I need it gone. I don't care about taking pictures. I don't take pictures. I don't take EVPs. I don't do none of that. I go in there and I get rid of the problem. Now, if somebody yes. calls me and says, hey, we we got stuff happening in the house. We just want verification. It's not harmful or nothing like that. We just want verification so we know we're not crazy. Then I'll go in there and I'll use right. my equipment. But if some Someone's being, you know, the family's being traumatized. I go in there and I deal, deal with the issue, but these other groups, they don't do that. And fortunately, there's been some, uh, quite a few groups, uh, quite a few investigators over the years that, um, that, you know, put that ego to rest and where they, you know, they're, they're more humble than most of the other ones. And, and they get a case and they know it's over their head and they'll call, call me and says, you know, we really need your help. And, and I, I've gone in there and I've helped them and, and, um, every one of those cases are still problem, problem free. And, and, you know, and that's that, and I even, I try to help them. I tried to help them with the understanding of the investigators themselves. So I try to teach them and stuff and, and help them to, you know, do better work in the future and have a better understanding, you know, so. So in yeah. answer to that question that I asked you about, you know, people that let's say you go in there and you, you know, you help them and they, you, for lack of a better word, you clear it. Are they still vulnerable if they fall back into what you're? What, what were you talking about? Like the fear, the fear, or whatever the whatever it was that triggered them into that it could come back. In other words, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, and that's why my process is different. So if all these other techniques, what they do is they they elevate the person for the moment. It, it it gets rid of it. That's the reason why it works. It doesn't have an effect on the entity itself. It has, if it has a positive effect on the individual then it breaks the connection. This thing can't really feed it. It goes somewhere else. But if you fall back in that old way of thinking, it comes back. So with my process is it's an, a lot of it is an education to the afflicted to, and also guidance to get them out of where they are. If they're in this lowered emotional state, this vulnerable state, I, I pinpoint what that, what the issue is. If it's a childhood memory, mm -hmm. if it's um, a cancer diagnosis, if it, whatever it is, like I said, I've been a, a, a drug counselor, a, you know, mm -hmm. all kinds of different things. I have to treat people in their personal matters, in their, in their, you know, heal their hearts and help their minds and get them on, on a positive track. And yes. so, and, and I teach them how to stay that way. So this thing does not return. And they, they know if they do revert back, I had a case in Rochester, New Hampshire, um, most of my cases aren't in, in my own state where I live, but uh, most of them are everywhere else. But, but there was one, um, Rochester, New Hampshire, back in 2003, where this family was, it was very, very, very active. And they've had all kinds of people go in there and try to help them, and it didn't work. And, and so um, the problem I was having with this family was to get them to talk about things they 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 were thinking like you know they had a shaman going there do a smudging it did it didn't you know helped a little bit and then it came back and then a priest and and whatever else so they weren't used to my technique they they thought it was just going to be you go in there you do some kind of weird thing and the thing disappears but right. so I'm ask, I'm asking them questions and I I don't I'm not so direct I I I start slowly to get people to open up. And I don't force them to talk about their personal issues. I, I do it in such a way that they start opening them up, uh, up on their own. Mm -hmm. But the problem I was ha having was when I was doing this, it's all started with the, the lady of the house, the mother of the house. And whenever she wanted to talk, she would 
like kind of cower her head and she would look at her husband and he would just give her a look and, and she wouldn't talk. And yeah. he was t- with his eyes. I, mean, I could feel it emotionally that he was telling her, don't you dare talk, you know, about stuff. But so I, I knew there was issues, um, marital yeah. issues and, and, and everything else. So finally we got her alone and um, I had a team at the time and me and my assistant were, were staying in the bedroom we walked in there. She was going to show us something real quick. And the, the, the father was occupied with somebody else. I shut the door. And, and so I asked her some questions to get her to open up that weren't so direct. And, and I can't remember what I asked her, but when I, when she started to answer, she looked anxious. Like I could finally talk, you know, and, and it was like, she wanted to get him so bad. And when she did that, there were like sparks all around her head, just like these discharges around her head, which, I've seen before. It's it's not that common, but they're like mini fireworks almost. And um, my assistant grabbed my arm and was squeezing because she had never seen seen anything like that. And uh, (laughs) so, but basically, um, what it was was they had um, the the guy had a a son from his first marriage, who was this kid was kind of like. uh, not in a very good place and he he moved in with them he was in his early 20s and he was doing bad things and there was it was causing huge problems between them in their relationship and everything and and so it started this we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Entity showed up and started attacking the mother, and um, so I, I told her, you know, if something happens, ignore it. Like nothing ever happened. Don't give it no attention. Just act like matter-of-factly, like oh, okay. So the plate slid off the desk. Oh well, well, well no big deal. Right. You just don't let it phase you, phase you at all. Don't think about it. Wipe it clean from your internal dialogue. Don't think about what's going to happen next. What's mm-hmm. going to happen next? Try to o- occupy yourself with positive actions, positive things. And so she was doing all that. And what this entity did was, okay, if you're not going to pay attention to me, I know how to get you to pay attention to me. And it started going after the kids. And so a four-year-old got thrown through a bathroom on one of our visits. Luckily, he was okay. Um, But, and so then I had to basically treat the whole family. and, and, And once I got them to understand the process, the thing disappeared. And I had, it was like, let's see, that was number three. So probably seven years later, um, I had heard from him periodically for a little while and then everything was good. So I didn't hear back from him. 
it was like seven years later, I, I found their number in my files and I, and I decided to give them a call and see if everything was all right. And they said, yeah, yeah, we're still good. She, she said twice we f- fell back into um, old, our old ways mm-hmm. and, and it started to come back. So we're like, oh, we have to do what Shane said. And, and she goes, when we did that and, and everything was fine, it would, it would go away again. So she. And what um, happened? Did that older son? Did he continue living there? Was he in on the plan to like, as far as what they needed to do, or what happened with him? Yeah, I think he ended up uh, moving out, and if I remember correctly, okay. and but there was there was other issues too, like um, with the marriage. Um, you know, I, I could you know sense. Well, and I was also... about to say because that dirty look she was getting from her husband—that's. Like... That, that was yeah, like, yeah. That's not a good thing. Like, like the couch smelled like dirty feet and beer. So I, I knew he's been sleeping there for, for you know oh. during the night. That, that was a clear indication. Not only just sensing it, but it was just the, the evidence was there, you know. And um, but all in all, they were they were. A, 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 I like the people. Um, no, I, I but know exactly was, what you mean. But but in other words, you know, it's like okay, well, maybe. The, the, the finger points immediately to this thing about your kid, but there's other stuff that was going on here that that made it manifest easier, I guess, is what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. So. so I take it you didn't sit long on that sofa? Holy kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know why I'm saying that? Because I've been to some places where it's like, uh, no, I don't care how tired I am, I'm not sitting on that sofa. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> no, <laughs> because, you know, exactly like... It's... <laughs> It's it's crazy, you know, because um, a lot of the cases that we do, like um, over the years, right now, everyone that I get now, and it's been this way for years, or an actual parasitic attachment. And but there was there was a a, a period there where, gosh, you know, um, you know, because I do a lot of I do FM shows, I do um, internet shows, and, and mm-hmm. lecture abroad and everything, and so. And in TV, once in a while, and and so you you do some of these you know radio shows, for instance, and and you get contacted from people, and they're like, oh yeah, we got stuff happening in our house, can you come by? And so like this one one time, I drove four hours one way, four hours up, and, and all, I don't charge. You know, yeah, I don't charge people. You know, and, and I I make money. I own a remodeling business, but I also make money doing some of the. Uh, the lecturing that I do and, and other stuff that I do mm-hmm. in the field, but I don't charge people that are, that are having these issues. You know, it wouldn't right. be, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be right. So, um, and I, I, of course I've had people insist and wouldn't have it any other way and, and give me money, but I, I would never ask. And I don't, and right. I tried not to take it, but there's some people that just won't not let me take it. But so, um, but one time I drove four hours one way, and I get there, and and they're just asking me about, oh, how long have you been doing this, you know? And oh, tell tell us your craziest case, and and, and you're like, so huh? basically just, <laughs> yeah, so basically just wanting to meet me. That so what's going on here? Well, not much, you know. And okay, you know, so basically, you know, they just wanted to meet you or whatever. And it's it's flattering, but it it just cost me like 150 bucks to come here, you know. Right. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, so. I want to say that sometimes people they're you get those personalities which they're for lack of a better word they're kind of narcissistic or it's like all about them like like you said i just drove four hours and it cost me money yeah for you to what to to ask me about my life (laughs) like what 
Yeah. Yes. But I, I love I love talking about this stuff so much. So it, it, it's easy just to kind of like get over wow. it, you know, because at least you get to talk about it with somebody who's interested too, you know. But you know um, what? The way but, I think about it is that time that you spent with them. Maybe it, there was another case that you could have somebody that had legitimate, you know, that they needed you. In other words, really needed you versus like yeah. Because let me tell you, driving, that's a four-hour, that's an eight-hour by the time you got back. thats People don't realize driving can be tiring. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and this is the, you know, Have you ever had um, situations, with, because what you're describing is stuff that's happening externally, like things getting thrown, and of course people reacting and the way they're feeling. Have you ever had where it's actually affecting their behavior? Almost like, you know, when... I'm going to use possession because that's the best. Even I'm not talking about the traditional thing of possession, but where it actually alters the person's behavior. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, it, I mean, it, it, it really takes a lot out of people because it, you know, these things are drawing off of you. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, so it does affect people um physically but also therefore eventually becomes um, emotionally too and, and it really gets in their head and, and, and it drains them and you know whether it's they become depressed but they're that that part of the the process is kind of what they need too because they want you to become lowered right. they want you to be depressed that's what they need you so it's it's kind of like playing into their hands but yes, I've, I've definitely seen it in where people become withdrawn and, and, you know, marriages fail and, you know, relationships and people pull away from their children, children pull away from their parents. Um, absolutely. And, but here's, here's a story that just happened. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, some of these things are not always um, this. So I, I, I do, you know, um, I'm well known for um, my dealings with the, the parasitic entities but I, I do ufology as well. And okay. so I've been doing a lot of um, lectures recently for some reason. I did back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back UFO conferences. Okay. And I did um, one, one that I did, um, very well-known on the East Coast here, um, one of the biggest ones. And I spoke, and then there was these people that, that, that were there, attendees or whatever, that had friends that had a – son that was institutionalized in a in a facility for people with um disorders you know mental disorders and everything mm -hmm. okay. and um but it was more like a resort it was it was an upscale type of place you know it was it was right. nice you know mm -hmm. and um so this this latino couple they approach me they oh we got friends you know and and um and so they put them in t touch with me and this this uh this other latino couple contacts me they have a son his name was danny he was 26 years old he's in the facility and um beautiful people very successful too you know they they you know they had money did well with their lives and, and their son was very intelligent um honor roll student all through high school and everything but um something happened when he was 17 well, for some, he went to visit his grandma in uh, Puerto Rico when he was younger, and okay. he saw a sh he said he saw a shadow person in her house, okay. and then so that's where it began there. But then when he was seventeen, he they went to Sedona, Arizona, and um, and 
he something happened to him. He 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 was having panic attacks. He disappeared from his family. They couldn't find him, and and he told me he went without eating for a while. He was like fasting without wanting to, and that made a, that made his issues a lot worse. Sure. And he felt that whatever was affecting him, um, it, it was getting worse when he didn't eat. So then when he was um, uh, 25, because he, he hasn't been in, in this institution for that long. Okay. Because when, when he was about 25, now all of a sudden this voice is telling him to hurt his family, hurt himself. Okay. He says, I hear it. He, it's telling me to hurt people and hurt myself, and I I don't want to hurt my family. I love my family. and and right. And so um, – you know, because I, I, I am driving. He, he was in Vermont. I had to drive up to Vermont um, quite a ways to, to meet with him. And we spoke just me and him, me and Danny. The father took a walk and and I interviewed him because they, they thought that um, that he might have uh, an attachment and that it wasn't his diagnosis. He was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, which right, is a form yeah. of That's what I was kind of like what was he diagnosed with some type of schizophrenia or psychosis? So, yeah, but so they're but they're thinking like, okay they're and I know where the, the what these parents were thinking. So what happened after you when you were talking to him? This is super interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they they wanted to say well you know Shane has a hundred percent success rate getting rid of these negative entities. We think that he actually has an attachment, mm -hmm. so he can he can fix Danny and stuff like that. And so. I said, well, let me meet with him. I do have a background in, in disorders and disabilities and human services and, and stuff like that. So um, I was able to ask the right questions to, you know, determine, you know, if he had an attachment or if, if he had a psychosis and, or disorder, you know. And mm -hmm. um, no question that I asked him led me to believe that there was no answer that he gave me that would tell me that he had an attachment you know um I, I, a lot of the questions weren't leading some of them were more obvious like does any paranormal activity happen around you nope he says you know and well does this happen no no does this happen no so does, does it vocalize through your through your physical mouth or is it just voices in your head he's just in my head no one no, can anybody else hear him no nobody else can hear him and so did it ever tell you anything that you wouldn't know otherwise had it not told you? No, no, not no. You know, except for one word. It was it was a word that meant uh, peace or joy in um, in in a different language. And he said that he didn't know that language or that or that word prior to. But that was the only thing. But so I honestly 100% believe that his his diagnosis is accurate. And I said, you know, so I think you're you're in the right place. I said, but I told him even you can improve your diet and eat certain foods that will absolutely fuel your brain to improve your symptoms dramatically um, because they're seeing uh, dramatic uh, improvements in, in people with autism and other types of disorders and disabilities that are brain associated with the ketogenic diet. High fat diets that are helping mm -hmm. the brain function, and kids that haven't been able to speak their whole lives are now talking. Yes. And you know, and so I said, you know, you can do that, and it's, you know, we that this will help. And so I still try to help them, but he was. I think they were all. Um, I think Danny became depressed and felt like 
you know, I think he kind of momentarily gave up hope because he really thought he had an attachment. And where I told him I, I don't believe he did, I think he, he respected my experience and stuff, and, and he disappeared. He, um, I got a phone call from his parents. His father texted me, his mother called me crying. Danny disappeared um, without a trace. He, he was on the computer at 9.30 one night um, at, let's see, at, at like 11 or so, a counselor saw him and, you know, saw him um, somewhere. I don't know, didn't speak with him. But then in the morning, he was gone. Vanished without a trace, didn't take any of his personal belongings. So this was, and, this was in other words, this facility was not locked. He wasn't locked in. He could come and go at will? Apparently, pretty odd, right? And um, and we're, we're talking in the middle of nowhere too. This is like mm-hmm. total country, right. in the middle of Vermont. And so he was gone, I think, for like three days. And they finally found him. And he will not. He has not talked about why he left. Um, he acts like nothing happened. Like everything's okay. He's back to the way he was. Like nothing. And and it and it's sad, you know. But I I say that because um, now his father. His father is an RN, a registered mm-hmm. nurse, right. and his father says that I, I work in facilities where there are people that are diagnosed with disorders that I absolutely do not believe have those disorders. I think they have attachments, and yeah. I absolutely agree because we've seen this. I've dealt, mm-hmm. I've worked in hospitals. I've been yes. called into hospitals anonymously. They said, you can't tell anybody because we'll, we'll lose our jobs, but... And, you know, this is the way they're being treated, but we don't believe that that's what they have because things are moving around the room, you know, and stuff like right, that. exactly, so. yeah. Where, where, it, <laughs> where is that in the DSM, you know? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally, but you know what? It's just easier to, what is it, label or diagnose somebody with something, and let's not look at that other part. Right. Know. I, I was, was hoping very, that. That was that you were honest. You know, you had questioned him, and probably his parents were hoping it was going to be something different. But yeah. It is what it is. And was, a lot of people don't realize that, even, especially when you got that type of diagnosis, which part of the thing is that, you know, that they take their meds on a regular basis. But sometimes, yeah. even when they do that, they can still cycle off of them. Like, and they do that weird stuff, like what you described, that they leave. And. Yeah, Probably, yeah. I'm sure he was getting his meds, and then they'll come back. But that's sometimes why, unfortunately, that type of diagnosis, it's really difficult for them to be living like on their own because they stop taking their meds, or if they cycle off, and then um, it can get it can get really ugly, especially when they go through those episodes. But you were describing that he's hearing a voice telling him to hurt his family. That's like yeah, right. I was really hoping that it was going to be an attachment because I knew I could fix that. And, and unfortunately with his condition, it can be cured. And, and, um, you know, we, we, you can improve it at the moment, but there's nothing that can cure it. And, and, um, and he, fit, he fit the mold because it, it schizoaffective disorder. You're not born with it being obvious. It, it comes mm-hmm. out a little bit later and later yeah. in life. And it's, it, it's tr- usually triggered by something dramatic, you know, something that really shook you, in your and then all of a sudden boom you got this so it it, it, in a sense it's kind of like a parasitic attachment too so it really i'm still um you know you got to wonder because there there are similarities there and and a parasitic attachment how it how it starts 
is it the same as a, a schizoaffective dis- disorder um, kind of kicks off the same way with something life altering that usually triggers it. And so you, you got to wonder, but unfortunately, um, if it is something like that, it's, it's a different type of entity or something or, or, or an attachment, or it just is a Let disorder. You, Shane, what happens, like, let's say in the cases where you've been brought in and the person's got an attachment, obviously they're looking for help. They're like, you know, this is happening or after I moved here or this, you know, like those, these triggering events, what do you think happens? And I don't know if you've even run across this, somebody that, for lack of a better word, invited it or is receptive to it, does it just totally take them over to where basically they basically de-escalate and become horrible human beings and do horrible things? You think that some of the, I want to say horrific things that sometimes you see that people do to another person is a result of an attachment? I think sometimes, yeah. But what I found is the majority of the people that are are being attacked by these parasitic entities mm-hmm. are very, very sensitive people. They're they're usually very caring, okay. loving people. They wear their heart on their sleeves, which also makes them yeah. a target, I guess. Yes. And and you know, it, I, I think we should all be that way. But unfortunately. In, even in real life, there's human beings that will take advantage of us oh, yeah. when we're that way. Of course. They'll feed off of that, you know. Oh, Shane won't say no. I'll, I'll, I can get anything I want out of him, you know, and mm-hmm. because, you know, or I can act however I want and he'll forgive me and, you know, yes. and stuff like that. And so there's there's living parasites, you know, human parasites, but these, uh, these parasitic entities are the same way. So, um, you know, I think most of the time, the pe- well, what I've seen is most of the time, the people that are that have these parasitic uh, attachments are usually really loving and, and you know beautiful people really on the inside, and they're super sensitive emotionally, and that is kind of um, can become a problem if if they don't have the right knowledge on how to circumvent these attachments, you know. Um, well, so, it's, it's, but yeah, exactly like they're they have that vulnerability, and yeah, a lot of people. I I it, and and I'm glad you brought it up because sometimes, um, you know, again, I'm gonna say Hollywood. Like you said, people think that if whether they're being haunted themselves or their house or whatever, that they think that somebody's gonna come in and wave a magic wand. And it's over. It's done, and. That's what what you described, where sometimes they'll bring in boatloads of different people, and it just calms down, and then it comes right back. Right, um, and it usually comes back a lot worse when it does. Yes, yes, because they're just trying to address what's not there. In the I did sense a case. Of, in, I did a case in Orange, Massachusetts, um, where this family had moved into the town that I live in right now in Southern New Hampshire, and but they still owned another house in Orange, Massachusetts. And they were trying to sell it or, or rent it out, but whenever somebody would be interested, it, it would fall through. They had uh, even a blind lady that was walked through the house, and she said, you know, she didn't want to live there because it felt too dark to her. Wow. And But they had all kinds of things happen in the house, you know, anything from the ceiling fan just spinning on its own to things moving across the room to them seeing weird uh, beings move moving in the woods um, or in the trees. And then they, they said uh, the guy said he saw native Americans in the, in the woods and 
And then also um, the final straw was when their, their son, who was four years old, was grabbed by his ankles and pulled right out of bed, hit the floor. They heard thump, thump, and then they heard the, the kid crying a little bit. They went in there. He had handprints, red handprints on his mm. on his ankles. And so whatever it was grabbed him really hard. And the kid said, the man with the red face pulled me out of bed. And so um, they had um, – Excuse me. They had one famous group going that's on TV. You know, I'd say famous, but on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they had a famous um, or well-known. Um, you know, you see him on TV, demonologist, okay. who's a nice guy, nice guy, and he had his team went in there, but the the process didn't work. Um, they said when when he did his thing, um, he he did the the oils and he put crosses on all the doors and all that. And I saw that with a black light. I, I put a black light and I could see all the crosses that he put. And, right. and they said it seemed, it seemed to help for a little while, but then it came back worse than ever. And that's when the kid got attacked and, and things, other things started happening. And because they went back to old ways of thinking and, and there was also marital issues there and they, they're now divorced and, they would never t- talk to me about that, but I knew it when I was there that there was marital issues. They, they didn't tell me, but I, I knew there was. And, um, but basically, hold on a second. Um, so, um, so they moved, they moved out of the house. It was a, it was a nice double wide trailer in a trailer park and, and stuff. R- real cozy little place. And, and they bought a colonial um, in the town I live in. Mm-hmm. Now they have two mortgages and stuff like that. So it was kind of a burden. They're not able to sell it or rent it. And they're like, you know, can you help us? Because now they have things going on in both houses. So this parasite going back and forth. It's still going back to the old house, which is kind of rare because it, it usually attaches to the people. But the, the thing was sometimes these parasites will feed off of events that took place in time. And they'll they can feed off of that event for however long they want because it's okay. something that ripples through through space time and that environment in, yes. it through parallels, and so um, so this thing was bouncing back and forth. It was doing stuff in their new home, but also affecting things in in the other house. And so I went over to the to the original house, the one in Massachusetts uh, that they moved out of, and I could feel it instantly. This thing was strong and um, and nasty. And I basically chased it around the house and it ended up going into the master bath and hiding in there. And it seemed to be where it liked to, to hide, you know? Uh-huh. And so I was contacted by this young guy who's in his mid twenties. And he's like, Hey, I, I, I think I'm sensitive because I've been my whole life and I really want to, you know, learn about this stuff. And I talked to him for a little while and he seemed real level headed and, um, in the right character type. So I said, sure. We, you can go to this case with me. The house is empty, so we're not in. You know, you're not going to interact with people. So I, I think it's a good time for me to take you on in this one. But I'm not going to do anything with you there because I've learned from that mistake in the past. Right. Um, somebody that that thought they were ready wasn't, and so um, we go there, and he says, he goes, "Wow, this feels really weird in here," and I'm like, and. I said, you want to see where that thing's in the in the master bath right now? I know it is. He goes, how do you know? I said, I just know it. So we we walk into the to the master bedroom, and the door to the master bath was closed almost all the way. It wasn't latched, but it was like mm-hmm. closed. 
without being you know latched. And I go over, I said, stand over there, and he st- stood on the other side of the corner of the room. I, and I said, and I started my hand towards that doorknob to open the door. The door flew open on its own so hard, it slammed against the paneling, blew the drapes up from the air pressure. I feel Gus run by me. The the bedroom door slams shut, and this thing took off out of the room and just slammed the, sh- the door behind it. And this kid was like, oh, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and what did he I do? Said, what, did he stand his ground or did he bolt? And he, he settled down pretty quickly. I was I was okay. impressed because it did it shocked the crap like he it scared him. Yeah. And um but he he calmed down because I gave him the yeah I gave him the the you know basically the routine how to act and if something uh-huh. happens don't do this don't do that on our way down and so but basically um I had to identify what was going on here without these people really being open with me and. So I could I could feel that there was a marital issue, and that was part of the problem. But the other part was that the man had a paranoid personality, really bad, like very very hyper paranoid personality. Mm-hmm. And so when when they he moved in, it was her house first. They they became a couple. He moved in, and he started seeing um, Native American entities or or you know apparitions in the woods. And now this this property was on a on a grounds that um, had a bloody battle between two tribes over over the land because there was a nice river, it was good fishing, and and so there was this uh, bloody battle, and so there was you know those dramatic events tend to create create um, you know bleed overs and in, in parallels yeah. in space space time. So we were able to witness something that happened at a different time because of these dramatic uh, uh, dramatic frequencies, emotional frequencies from these events. And so he was witnessing this stuff. So what he did was he, he started to become a paranormal investigator and he, he started to stay up, stay out all night, you know, at night and try wow. to get pictures of it and take recordings. And he, and he, so I, I said, you know, he, you know, are you dabbling in this stuff? And he's like, no, 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 I don't even watch movies on it, but I knew he was lying to me. I go into his room. There's a book that was like three inches thick and it was all about demons and, you know, their names and characterizing yeah. demons. And, um, so he, he started to, to dabble in this stuff. And with that paranoid personality, he, he, he was the right person. You know, he was yeah. feeding this thing. And now a parasite said, okay, Hey, you know, this guy, yeah. he's going to pay attention. So this thing pops in and starts attacking them and, um, we're doing stuff in their house and attacking their kid. So I had to um, edu- I had to treat the the family, but I also had to treat that property over there. So I actually did a, like a, a native ceremony on that property to to gain acceptance from the natives uh, that energies that were there, but also to um, you know to um, and basically in, in hopes that they would help keep the, the parasite gone from that location and then it, you know, I could treat the family in the their new location with the education and the understanding of the mechanics and what to do what not to do type of thing and fortunately it worked and um, they they were problem free but their marriage still did fail uh, a year or two later they, they did break up but, oh. um, but and let, was he accepting of I imagine your advice which is don't dabble in that anymore. Did he? Did he accept I, that? He, yeah, he, he actually did. It was it was surprising because 
uh, I didn't I didn't expect that with his personality type. I thought that um, he was very interested in it and wouldn't, you know, because if we're passionate about something, it's hard. You're not going to tell people to stay away from their passions. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. when it's a passion like that and you're the wrong character type, it's it's Ooh. it's not good medicine, you know. Not at all. And not at all. So, but he, he actually did. And so when he walked in the house after I was, the, the, the original house, after I was done doing, a, a you know, that, um, it was a very exhausting, very um, spiritual thing that I did there, which is normally what I don't, I don't do that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. This was, um, normally it's, like I said, dealing with the true mechanics. But this I had to pull in. I had to try to tap into those native um, energies that were there through the parallels, like we talked about, and gain acceptance of this family. And and so it it was a long process. But when I did it, and I I kid you not, it's it's like you see on these dramatic TV shows. It was like somebody took a a dimmer switch and turned it up in the house. Like Mm -hmm. there was no light lights on, but the house just became so much brighter. I I could see it getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Mm -hmm. And I knew what what I did worked. And um, and so I texted him and I said, you know, or or I called him. I'm not sure. I said, I said you can head over now. Because I I did told him I did not want him there until I was done. Until I gave him the clear. Because he was part of the issue, and I knew that. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like he was a catalyst in all this. I'm sure, you yeah, know, so you, like you said, the dynamic with them was not that best, but he sounds like he was the the epicenter. Yeah, yeah he was, definitely. And so um, he walked in, and he goes, oh, my God. He's like, this house has never felt like this. He goes, not even after the other people were here. He goes, it seemed to help a little bit at first. He goes, but this is totally different. He says, usually when he pulls into the to the trailer park he he would get migraines immediately he said but i didn't get that and then i'm in the house now and he goes it feels great he goes it, it smells good it, it it just feels really good so after um quite a while of them trying to rent it or sell it five days after after i dealt with it um they had people that wanted to buy it people that wanted to rent it they ended up renting it to a gentleman and he's lived there and ha- has had no issues in that home at all and so, uh, and people don't realize that people can walk in there, and they might not necessarily say it's a ghost, but they kind of on a metaphysical plane, something inside of them is thinking, "I want to get out of here," you know. But they just, in other words, they don't buy it or they don't rent it because they they might not understand that it's not necessarily because they think it's haunted. It's they just feel uncomfortable when something like that is part of the environment. How many house sales fall through because of that, and people don't realize that that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Let me so, does, does, I mean, does Shane does any of the work that you do as far as does it have anything to do with a person's aura as far as if it's whole or not or that has nothing to do with a person being vulnerable? As far as as far as what? I'm you know sorry? how you the, your aura like your auric body, you know that usually we have like yeah. a little bit of like a field around our bodies. Okay, which of course some people can see, but most people can in the curly and photography, all blah, blah, blah. You know, some of the theories are that. <clears throat> we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. 
Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Own the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz on the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. If your aura is either damaged or get holes for different reasons, it could be physical trauma, it could be emotional trauma, if, you know, if you've got, or you've got uh, substance abuse problems, you know, anything that sometimes if your aura thins out, it makes it easier for you to get an attachment. Do you think right. that theory has any validity or it's just a question of people with unresolved stuff from their background? I think it's all a matter of, in, in what I've been able to deduce through the work is, and what I understand is, it's all to do with frequency, emotional frequency. And there, there was a time, a long, long time ago, where I would hear vibrational frequency, and I would be like, "That's cuckoo," you know, "That's weird," mm-hmm. "That's weird talk." And, but it absolutely, once I was able to really start connecting dots and stuff like that, I realized that it, it absolutely is everything to do with our frequency our emotional frequencies so if if we do have a trauma that we haven't been able to work through it could it could have happened a million years ago it doesn't matter if if it's something that still affects us in our spirit in our hearts in our minds then it affects our frequency and it leaves us vulnerable Um, so we need to acceptance is such a big word and it's so important and in, in 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 our lives it's like you know things happen if we right. dwell on them that it, then it keeps us in a bad place we need to move on and it's hard to do that unless we learn acceptance sometimes we have to just accept things it's hard but it's something right. you just accept it and move past it move beyond it and above it right and i guess a lot of people and i think that's the human condition when bad things happen to people especially inexplicable stuff, whether it was like as, as you're as a kid or as an adult, whatever, that everybody thinks, why me? You know, what did I, you know, wh- wh- why, 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 or, you know, or stuff like that. And they never get beyond, like you said, the acceptance part where it maybe you didn't do anything to bring it on, but it just happened. It happened. But they're yep. still kind of like what you're describing, caught on that hamster wheel of why me or, or, they can't accept it. They they, they want to try somehow to, you know, make it different. And time travel is not possible. You can't go back in time and redo that. But right. if you're stuck and thinking of... about it like what you described, it's like you're basically reliving those moments over and over again. Right. And, and, and the other problem, too, is, is the people will use that occurrence that happened to them as, as an excuse for being, you know, you know, ineffective or, or, you know, not moving forward in life or being, you know, achieving goals and they, they blame it on that occurrence, you know, and stuff like that. And they, so they use it as a crutch and, and it's, it's so important and, um, you know, or they're fearful of, of being hurt again and fear. I'll tell you what, I believe that the equal equivalent opposite of love is not hate. I absolutely believe it's fear. 
Yes. Because fear is is such a debilitating thing. Love can empower. Fear yes. can just wreck every everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's how these entities work. And that's what um, ne- negative things that are done to us in our lives. That's how they work. That's how they keep us down. That's what connects us to these parasites. Yep. So, um, you know, we have to live in love and light and, and not be fearful um, and, and just you know, be who we are because when we're when we are who we are, we can you know we know who we are, we identify who we are, we can be who we are, and we can love who we are. Right, and nobody leads All a right. perfect life. Some things, some people have worse breaks than other, but like you said, if you're gonna have that event, be your story. It's like yeah, it's like okay, well yeah. you know what that happened, but I'm gonna make my story something different. And you do have that power. Yeah. Is basically what you're saying. You do have that power to make it different. Despite what oh, might absolutely. have happened, to you. And you absolutely. Know what you, said, you know, you said something, and, I, and I'm going to ask. I'm going to. I'm going to ask you real quick because I'm going to segue into this as nothing. You know, when you were describing about that kid that was up in Vermont that uh, he had gone to Sedona and he had like a kind of like had a bad reaction. You're the second person yeah. within the last two weeks that has told me a similar bad experience of going to Sedona. And the reason why I ask about this is because Sedona is thought of as an epicenter of spirituality and good vibes. And when you said it, I was like, man, what a coincidence. This is the second person that I hear mentioned that they've had some type of negative reaction when going to Sedona. And it's like, I wonder why that is. Yeah, it really had an impact on this family too because even the dad said, have you ever been there? I said, no. He goes, oh, you got to go. It's so special, you know, and I was like, uh-huh. I have no idea. Like, like I've, I've never, I, I heard a little bit about it, but I haven't really researched it. So, right, um, right. Although the person yeah. that, that that told me about it, his reaction was he started getting nauseous and throwing up. He had to leave, like, you know, when he had to like get out of there. He says that once he cleared the area of the town, he felt better. But he said, Matt, he says I felt so horrible. I felt. So like nauseous throwing up it was like and he says as soon as i got out of there everything stopped and um and now you mentioned that and, and it's like okay you know not every place affects everybody the same way interesting All right yeah mm, very interesting yeah uh, sometimes you know and i i think that when you get places like sedona which you know you get a lot of people going out there for either spirit communication or putting vibes out you in that crowd you always get the ones that are pretending to be motivated by good but not really (laughs) yeah um, yeah exactly and they bring in or put out whatever you want to call it just bad things bad things altogether but anyway shane i wanted to thank you so much for spending this time today um i'm going to put a link to your website but if you could mention what is your website for the people that are listening on the podcast where they could uh, reach you at the website is trueghost.com t-r-u-e-g-h-o-s-t.com and the website is terrible right now i I, it was redone but i don't like it i I hate it so um (laughs) it's going to be redone soon and um but you you can find contact information there uh you can Look me, look me up on YouTube and Google me for other shows and other other appearances and, and stuff like that too. So. Okay. And do you have any pro- any projects coming up now in the near future? Um. 
No, I just got done with a lot of UFO conferences okay. back to back to back. And, and um, we are scheduled to, we were supposed to be going out to a Pennsylvania area, flap area, we call it, paranormal flap area in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we should be there now, actually, but we, we had to uh, postpone it. So, But um, we're working in um, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. We're, we're getting around, but um, yeah. So. Okay, okay. So, but I'm sure that if anything, that you would uh, and you would post it up on your website if you were going to be attending any event or you know at any location or any show. Do you post that up on your website? Um, I haven't been very good at that. I'm going ah. to try to be, <laughs> try to try to be better with that. And um, yeah, the best thing is uh, like on Facebook, I'm more active there. So okay. Um, so. Oh, but there's a ways to reach you. You know, whether it's to find out what you're at or especially for somebody that that uh, like you described is at their wits end you know having something going on with them and uh, I imagine that if you can't help them do you have any reputable groups that that you know of that you can recommend for them because I know sometimes when you've been doing this for a while you know who you can trust as far as a recommendation who is like no you know and I yeah know there's there's really no other groups when it when it comes on a high end level um mm-hmm. because i've i've had a i had to help out and, and bail out a lot of a lot of these groups so there's there's really not any groups that i'm aware of that it, it, on a high high end uh haunt like a, a very active uh negative haunt that i could okay. recommend um besides paul you know who's my brother we work we collaborate a lot together mm-hmm. um but the the best thing is i help people all around the world just simply by talking to them over the phone i oh, identify perfect. the problem yeah so i mean i talk to people in india australia you know you name it and and i'm able to break down what's going on with them and prescribe a treatment for their okay. particular situation and it's worked every time so i help people all around the world that just by talking to them Great, that is fantastic. So, in other words, you physically don't have to be there. You, in other words, you can work at a distance. In other words, yeah, as long as the people are are open and honest, and, and they're they're able to communicate what's going on. Some people are, are more reserved because they they sure. they don't they they haven't met me in person, so we're only talking on the phone. Yeah. So they, they there's some things that they don't want to open up about, so it's hard to deal with that. But if they're open with me about you know, every step of the way, I can pinpoint what what the issue is and, and prescribe a treatment and, you know, basically how, you know, tell them what to do, what not to do, what they've been doing wrong mm-hmm. and how to fix it. And it works every time. Fantastic. Excellent. All right. Thank you again, Shane. I want to wish you the best of luck. Okay. Uh, and of, I would love to bring you back so that we could talk about ufology. <laughs> Yeah, because great. that that that'd, right that'd there, fun. that's a whole. I mean, I think people are finally, and I know not everybody's on the same, but I think a lot of as far as ufology and extraterrestrial, they're starting to break out of the the thought that everything has to travel. I mean, I'm not saying it's not that, but as far as maybe the way to travel is not the way we think of as in linear space or on a spaceship or on a flying saucer. It could be other ways. Right. And there's other type of phenomena, yeah. which a lot of people also describe that coincides when they have a UFO sighting uh, mm-hmm. versus just something, a light in the sky. There's other things that I think that now that a lot of people are actually noting it, they, they see a trend in other words, like what a coincidence, right. you know, there's UFO sightings and then there's sightings of either cryptids or, whatever the case might be, or people having weird experiences. 
and then right. doing those yeah. correlations. So I would love to have you come back and we could talk about that because that in and of itself is fascinating. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I'd like to thank you for having me. And yeah, you've been a, a great, great host. And this has been an awesome conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And have a great night. Take care. You, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. What an interesting guest. He is something else. Okay. And... This is for those people out there where, you know, there's a, you know, and how can I say it? I'm so glad he brought this up as far as what he described where people sometimes either have groups or even it sounds like demonologists or exorcism priests, whatever, coming in there and trying to help out and basically it just subsides and then comes back okay and people don't realize that what happens to you either as a child or somewhere along your life and and people have heard me talk about this before especially about telling people you know this is not the kind of paranormal investigations is like mm, not really for you because sometimes you just have this vulnerability in you that if you put yourself in a bad situation or a case or a household that you walk in, basically you're opening yourself up for a really horrible experience. Especially if you had something like this happen in your your background. And maybe you might have dealt with it, kind of, but but you're doing okay. You know, you're making your way in your life, but then you come into a case, let's say you start doing paranormal investigations like what he was describing, and then you walk into a really ugly, malevolent, dark case. And guess what? You, like he said, whatever is there, this parasitic entity, will see that vulnerability and then dredge up old memories, unresolved things, uh, and basically torment you. Because basically that's how it works. They torment you uh, into depression, uh, lack of hope, uh, and of course everything that comes with it because let's face it what happens in your head affects the what the rest of your body how you feel how your outlook is on life uh, and then it's like a domino effect it maybe affects what you know your interaction with your family it affects your interaction at work or how well you perform I mean it's and, and I've said this before contrary to sometimes what people think of when they see the movie where you know you cross paths with the thing entity whatever and then by the end of the week you know horrible things are happening to you sometimes as a matter of fact that's really very seldomly the way it goes it starts to unravel little by little and then I think what happens is depending on how far you know how far this goes or if you can pull yourself out of it and I talk about this a lot about as far as when people get hopeless and they isolate themselves and this is this is basically what's pushing you along to do that because that's what it wants to do it wants to feed off your fear hopelessness the feelings that people get nobody loves me nobody cares about me nobody understands me um, you know it's like a domino or snowball effect and the point I'm trying to make is sometimes for this to take place 
is days, weeks, months, things start to unravel. And then maybe a year, two years down the road, you go from everything was okay. No, When I mean okay, nobody walks around with a perfect life and you deal with things that come up and you try your best to resolve them and then you move on but you're not hopeless and then you see people that they get to this point they look back and it's like man what happened and then this 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 thing invades basically your life and your mind uh and, and the the point i'm trying to make is long before you see crap flying across the room okay something very physical or tangible that you could say oh my god or in the case of what he described with this lady, this poor woman in her 70s is being basically re-victimized. She's, because basically what that entity was trying to do is recreate the terror and helplessness she felt as a child. Not only was she being molested and raped, but by the person who should have been taking care of her. That's like a double betrayal to a child. Okay, so this this thing, whatever, you know, was the act in and of itself was horrible, but it was probably doing it like he described the exact same way that her father would approach her, which heightened her fear, heightened her feeling of helplessness, uh, basically puts you into what they call a state of PTSD which is where you relive that memory like if it happened hours or a day before smells feelings everything is fresh fresh and sharp which is why it's so difficult sometimes people with PTSD uh, where you know why it's so important for them to get help because sometimes the passage of time doesn't diminish the memory because everybody's had bad things happen to them and when they're fresh it hurts and you kind of examine it but normally as time goes by it depending of course on what the incident was it the the, the edges soften they soften and the the harsh emotion kind of softens and then that 24 7 mentality lets go where you stop thinking about it and there comes a point where yeah it'll hurt your heart but you're not there continuously reliving it but for somebody that's had some type of trauma, they never they that 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 softness never diminishes. The feeling, the fear, the anger, whatever is involved in it, never gets any less. And basically, what that entity was doing to this poor lady was revisiting her and making her feel the fear, just like she had done, probably what sixty years before. And I know I've said this before in other shows, but I want to say it again. A lot of, and I'm glad he brought it up, a lot of stuff that happens to people, and I'm going to say especially as children. Why? Because when you're a child, besides the fact that you're a child, you don't have, do, uh, a myriad things could, you could be, it, it could be something at the hands of the people that are meant to protect you, number one, or you are shamed or afraid to talk about what happened or you're or you're or you're um threatened to keep it quiet and let's face it when you're a child where are you gonna go what are you gonna do yeah 
if you maybe sometimes when you're a teenager and adolescent you run away but if you're younger what are you going to do where are you going to go you're at the mercy of whatever's happening to you to stay put and endure it and sometimes this trauma and this happens you know in a perfect world none of these horrible things would ever happen to anybody but when they do and I think that's what Shane was referring to that these people they basically start reliving it and recalling it and this is the thing about your brain when you start reliving these memories and you start your 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 brain doesn't know that what you're seeing in your head is a memory that maybe happened years and years and years ago and what happens is your body starts reacting it starts putting out cortisol your your heartbeat could elevate some people even break out into a sweat if you're really good if your imagination is one of these and you decide to like you know pick that scab and relive every horrible second of it guess what your body will start reacting like if that incident is actually taking place your body doesn't know that it's just a memory okay and what he's talking about is that all these feelings all these things that are going on in your body and in your mind and in your spirit is basically putting out a calling card and I've said it like attracts like okay uh, tell me how angry you are and I'll tell you how scared you are because that's what it is anger is usually a big cover for I'd rather be angry than scared but really it's fear 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 is the fuel of anger okay so it's like a track like if something happened to you and you were fearful or you were angry or whatever the case might be basically it's a track track like and then what you do is you get this parasitic entity which is saying you know what I can feed off this person because they've got this memory lodged in their conscious or subconscious mind and all I have to do is whip it a little bit and maybe do some things and then on top of the fear that they're gonna experience from recalling that incident I'm gonna make them even more fearful by maybe invading their dreams uh, typical stuff that sometimes you see in hauntings where people are like totally wigged out uh, feelings of being watched uh, he made mention of a couple of people there that were a little bit on the paranoid side what do you think happens to a person that's already got like a little bit of paranoia in their personality and then you get an entity which starts making them feel like I'm watching you you're being watched even maybe when you leave the house or something's watching you from the closet these things basically what he was saying was they know what you fear the most and on an intuition on a metaphysical level and that's where they attack you through and I'm sure it's more in-depth than what he was describing or what I'm describing but you know part of it is like he said it's not whether you say you forgive or anything whatever the perpetrator was sometimes like it's almost disempowering it's like no I don't want to forgive you you can't fake it in other words you can't by this I guess what I'm saying is a lot of people think that for that you say you forgive somebody is that that you're basically okay with it and what's the use of saying I forgive somebody if you really don't feel it but if you accept it say I don't forgive you but I accept that this happened and there's nothing I can do or say to change what happened but I'm gonna move away from it because that's not gonna be my story and I hope you burn in hell 
screw it. Hello, if that's what the empowering that you need to move off, as long as you don't keep on reliving that moment, somehow being able in your mind to twist time and go back and undo it. And now, if you can forgive that person, do it. If you, if part of that you truly forgive them, without thinking, I'm, I'm really, I'm saying I forgive this person because it's the good thing. But I really, deep down inside, if you, if you really like, could look at the way you felt, you, it's not really there. And and what's really funny is about real forgiveness. Sometimes what he described as far as acceptance, you know, acceptance moving on. And you say, I'm not ready to forgive this person. What they did was horrible. Persons or plural, persons, whatever, whatever the case might be. And you're saying, no, I'm not going to forgive this person. Screw it. But I'm going to go beyond this and that's it. I'm, I'm not going to be victimized by this. I'm not going to have it overshadow my life. And I'm not going to dwell on it and I'm going to live my life. Like she said, your, 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 your focus is away from that. Somewhere in that time period, maybe years, something in you does forgive. Sometimes not. Everybody's different. It's everybody's different. It's like, I'm, but I'm not going to sacrifice my life on the altar of these events that happened to me. Because I do have power over what happens to me from now on. And that self-control, that, uh, that feeling of power, let me tell you something. It's very, very, very powerful, especially when you're going into something what like Shane described because a lot of people feel and I've and I've talked about it where they feel at the mercy of what's going on they feel victimized they're at the mercy shit's flying around their house I'm having bad dreams my relationships are falling apart maybe my kids are getting attacked uh, and I can't concentrate at work it, I mean and they feel like un, they're un, under slot under slot of of something they can't touch something they can't feel now you want me to tell you the antidote to that being able to feel some type of control and you know how you do that exactly like what he said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the game I'm gonna take my focus out of it I'm gonna laugh a lot uh, you know I'm gonna go outside I'm gonna go to the park you know uh, I'm going to do this I'm gonna do that depending on your your finances there's a lot of stuff that you can do for free believe me um but i'm not going to stay at the house and it's almost like once you shift your attention which is equivalent to you drawing back the fear the the dread this thing starts to fizzle because it doesn't it, it's nothing f for you to feed off of it okay and I think that for a human being, having to be have that type of control is a very important step towards having this recede. Sometimes certain things are happening where you do need somebody like Shane to come in and kind of guide you out because like he described, sometimes there's certain dynamics going on with the people in the family, whether it's the adults or whatever where you know what they're never going to do this on their own they need somebody an expert like shane come in and say 
and do what he does talk to them and basically have him look at really what what is causing what's going on with them okay but there's there's a lot of stuff that people can do before it totally slides into a full-blown uh, stuff flying in your house or seeing horrible things and it basically making your life horrible unraveling your life so that even if you recover there's a lot of stuff that you lose along the way and by this I'm not talking about material stuff even though that's bad but sometimes you lose relationships sometimes you lose marriages sometimes you lose jobs sometimes you lose homes by the time that you come to grips with the idea of like man you know what I've got to resolve this wound that's inside of me and then this thing is going to go away It's an interesting thought, but anyway, guys, yeah, I'm gonna put a link to Shane's website on my uh, on the credits of the show. It's trueghost.com. I urge you to visit, even though he poo-pooed it. Well, of course, you know, if you need to reach out to him, also Facebook's uh, another thing. Whether you're trying to figure out if he's going to be doing at any event, or you need his help, you know, maybe you are one of these people who's had people come in and nobody is helping you or maybe you've been putting up with something for years and years and you've moved from place to place thinking you can outrun it and now you're at the realization this is not a problem with the location it's the problem is me or maybe somebody you're married to so reach out to then what he talked about that he could he doesn't even need to see you in person you know but of course if you don't reach out to him there's no way he can help you anyway guys don't forget uh, go to miamighostchronicles.com there you can find links to either the the YouTube video uh, I've got also links to the mp3 files if you want to download the podcast or I even got links to the different podcast platforms so that you can, if, if, if there's any of the podcast platforms that you use to download MP3 files, I've got links that will take you directly to our shows on that platform. Best bet, uh, go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. And from there, of course, also, if you want to submit your true story, my true believers, you can do that at Submit Your Story tab. If you want to send me an email, the point of contact, the best one, is going to be, or you could go also to StoriesOfTheSupernatural.info. That'll work as well. If you want to reach out to me, uh, whether with a story, a question, suggestions for the show, or if you want to hear uh, any of the shows when they're archived. Like I said, I have everything from the first show all the way to the most recent release on there. Uh, Pretty soon, I'm hoping maybe by the time you get here this this show, I will have already released. uh, I just finished... uh, filming a show up in Toronto for a new show that's going to be coming out which I believe is it's going to air now uh, in the fall in Canada and I believe it's going to air here in the US now the either January or February once I get the right dates then I'll announce it I want to be in that show and I've got a couple of other things going on and I'm writing a book and I'm writing two books um, I had a request to, um, you know, I was 
writing a little book about just very unusual true ghost stories, obscure stuff. But it was really funny because I've had a lot of people uh, ask me like, oh, um, you know, what to do like a DIY, for lack of a better word, if you think that you might have a problem with a haunting or something's going on. And so I'm, gonna, I'm putting together a little book about, almost for lack of a better word, supernatural DIY, you know, or supernatural safety. Uh, and in this advice, you know, I'm going to make it stuff that you can do maybe before you call a paranormal team in. Or what I tell people, what to do before you move to a place or after you leave a place. Because I've done investigations where I've had people come in and they're saying, we sold this house and we just want to make sure that whatever's here doesn't go with us. I've had investigations like that. And what things that you can do, again, because I'm into empowering people. Uh, and yeah, and in the book, of course, I'm going to make mention that there's certain things that it's like you need help. You, you need to get a team in there. And we'll, you know, in the book, eventually I'll talk about that. And along the, the way, I'll talk about some of my cases and things that have happened to me. But I'm working on that book. I'm, I'm hoping to have that out maybe by the end of this year December of 2018 and again guys I want to thank you so very much for being part of my audience you guys are absolutely wonderful uh, and I truly appreciate the time that you spent here uh, listening to the show or seeing the video so again I hope you're going to be coming back next week and take care we did it again Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.